The tycoons of social media have to stop pretending that they're friendly nerd gods building a better world and admit they're just tobacco farmers in t-shirts selling an addictive product to children. Because let's face it, checking your likes is the new smoking. A recent 60 Minutes segment exposed what's called brain hacking, how everything Silicon Valley develops is purposely designed to make us feel compelled to check in constantly. They want you to use it in particular ways and for long periods of time because that's how they make their money. Every time I check my phone, I'm playing the slot machine to see what did I get. This is one way to um, hijack people's minds and create a habit, to form a habit. That's right. Apple, Google, Facebook, they are essentially drug dealers. You heard the guy in the 60 Minutes piece. Every time you check your phone, you are pulling that slot machine handle because you might get a reward, a text, a like, a dick pic from Anthony Weiner. We all know the feeling. You post a picture on social media and when the likes pop up, it floods your brain with gratifying dopamine. Facebook purposely holds back the likes sometimes so you will keep checking. How come my friends didn't love that picture of my soup? What's wrong with me? Oh, wait, wait, wait until they see this picture of my water bottle. It's come to this, you don't exist until you get a smiley face. And then that's not enough. You need a thumbs up, or better, a giant thumbs up. This is why the average person interacts with their phone over 2,600 times a day. It wants all your attention, all the time. It's not a service, it's Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction. <laughs> a third of Americans check the phone during meals. 19% have checked it in church, mostly grinder. Pedestrian deaths are way up because people in the crosswalk looking down are getting run over by drivers looking down. The whole damn country is constantly looking down. There is something being crushed out there, but it ain't candy. Philip Morris just wanted your lungs. The App Store wants your soul. Welcome to the Jacked on the Beanstalk Vegan Podcast. Hosted by the Shorky Sisters. Repping the vegan hippie meatheads of the world is Sam, the first ever vegan World Naturals Bikini Pro, coach, author, and blogger, who's got an ass that's out of this world. Repping the busy, tired moms of the world is Sarah, and her ass is, well, mediocre. Together, they're on a mission to live with purpose and unlock the mysteries of a healthy mind, body, and spirit. So grab a seat in the back of Sarah's minivan and enjoy the ride. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the 51st episode of the Jacked on the Beanstalk podcast. I am your host, Sam Shorky, alongside my digital minimalist sister and co-host, Sarah Shorky. And I am so excited for this episode. And what you just heard was a clip from comedian Bill Maher's real-time show on HBO. I think most vegans, yeah, 
we love Bill Maher, don't we? I don't know. Do we? I know I love what he just said. And I always love politically incorrect, although Mm -hmm. I was kind of a feminist at the time. And he always seemed like he wasn't the biggest friend of feminism. Oh, really? But this was also like 15 years ago. So I apologize, Bill, if you are a giant feminist now. Well, I don't know anything about that. But I do know that he is a pretty big animal rights activist. Well, he was always very anti-dairy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fun fact, he has been a board member of PETA since the 90s. And I know that he's also very against Canada Goose, which if you've been listening to the podcast since the beginning, you will know that that is one of my most hated companies. Mm-hmm. And you should check out the podcast interview we did with my pals at Animal Justice for more info on Canada Goose and why we hate them. But enough about Bill Maher. Yeah, really. Believe it or not, this episode (laughs) is not Bill Maher's biography. (laughs) Fuck Bill Maher. Let's get into the good shit. Okay, cool. So where do we even begin with this one? Why don't we give everybody a proper definition for the term digital minimalism? I think we found a new favorite sound clip. (laughs) Yeah, I hope everyone's enjoying that now when we give anything scientific-y, you get that little sound bite. We sure enjoy it. This definition comes from the god of digital minimalism himself, Sir Cal Newport, who actually wrote the book digital minimalism. And Cal says, minimalism is the art of knowing how much is just enough. Digital minimalism applies this idea to our personal technology. It is the key to living a focused life in an increasingly noisy world. Digital minimalists are all around us. They are the calm, happy people who can actually hold long conversations without furtive glances at their phones. Bloody hell! Imagine that! Digital minimalists, they can get lost in a good book, a woodworking project, or a leisurely morning run. They can have fun with friends and family without the obsessive urge to document the experience. They stay informed about the news of the day, but do not feel overwhelmed by it. They don't experience FOMO a.k.a. fear of missing out, because they already know which activities provide them with meaning and satisfaction. Am I the only one who finds it incredibly sad that we actually need a definition for this? (laughs) I know, I'm kind of shocked that I'm even reading this as a definition. But you know what? It's 2019, and unlike you, Sarah, most of us use these things called smartphones. Yeah, and we're about to find out just how damaging these things are to our society. Mm, True. And now you're all coming back my way. And I'll be (laughs) welcoming you all with open arms since I can handle human contact, unlike the rest of you social retards. (laughs) Yeah, so in case anyone has included in, this is something that Sarah and I fight about constantly. As you all know, she has taken on a bit of an admin role with Jacked on the Beanstalk. And I was quite hesitant at the time because she's not exactly the most tech savvy individual. However, to my surprise, you you have been able to master email and Microsoft Office. So there's that. 
fuck off. <laughs> and then we started this podcast. And once again, I was very hesitant to have her as my co-host because not only does she not even have a smartphone to listen to podcasts on, but she really has no expertise on vegan health and fitness either. What's a podcast? But to my surprise, everybody seems to enjoy our dynamic, so... Yeah, which I'm pretty sure is the only reason you've kept me on. Nevertheless, I am forever irritated by the fact that she does not have an iPhone. And in fact, she literally owns a pay-as-you-go flip (laughs) phone. Yes, people still use these, apparently. I think it's the same phone that I had in 2004, maybe? No, no, it's the latest model. In fact, it's the only model. No shit, eh? Well, I've been harping on Sarah for many years now to get a proper phone so that she can be more active on social media because we do get people asking, what is Sarah's Instagram? And I have to say, she doesn't know what Instagram is. (laughs) Which brings us to a perfect time to throw out some frightening social media phone usage statistics. These are very recent stats taken from the Global Social Media Research Summary 2019. So here we go. The number of internet users worldwide in 2019 is almost 4.4 billion, which goes up 9% every year. The number of social media users worldwide in 2019 is almost 3.5 billion, again, 9% increase every single year. Now, here are the really shocking statistics. Consumers are now spending more than five hours a day on their smartphones at approximately 85 separate times during the day. That's crazy. Five hours a day on our phones, 85 times a day we're looking at our phones. Now, most of these interactions are for less than 30 seconds, but still, that is crazy. And what's even more scary is that users aren't even aware of how addicted they are. They thought they picked up their phones half as much as they actually do. So basically we're spending about one third of our hours that are awake on our frigging cell phones. Unless, of course, you're Sarah. That does not surprise me at all. I think when you're somebody like me in such a tiny little minority, you notice the awfulness of people and their phones. In fact, at last year's VegFest here in Ottawa, someone came to our booth and we somehow got into a discussion where apparently he's a freak like me who doesn't have a phone. And we started talking about the effects that phones are having on society. And he said something fascinating, and it was that people checking their phones during meetings is the equivalent to him opening a book and starting to read a few pages. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like that is a perfect way to look at it from a different perspective, right? Yes, I really like that. That would make for a good social experiment, actually, because I bet so many people would be offended by that. Going back to Cal Newport, one of his suggestions is to just leave your phone at home more often. If you're running little errands, you have no reason to bring your phone with you. And so for a little while now, I've been doing this, say whenever I'm getting grocery 
groceries or I'm going to the post office, I will purposely leave my phone in the car. But then it's funny because I'll get to the cash register or the checkout and I'll see this big lineup and immediately think, damn it, this would be a lot more tolerable if I had my phone to scroll through like everyone else in this line where it's like, what? You? Why can't I just people watch? Why can't I just be alone with my thoughts for this five, 10 minutes I wait? But see, that's what I mean. I actually remember the exact moment I realized humanity was headed right down the toilet. (laughs) And this was about, I don't know, five years ago. I was in the waiting room of the doctor's office. And this was back when they had those no cell phone signs. Remember those? Yes. And isn't it crazy they got rid of those signs? So anyway, there were nine of us in the waiting room, myself included. And I was literally the only one not looking at an effing tiny screen. And there was this couple and the woman nudged her husband or boyfriend and pointed to the sign and he huffed and said, (laughs) the fuck are we supposed to do? And I sat there thinking because that is what people do when they can't fill every moment with a fucking distraction. Mm -hmm. You think with your brain. (laughs) Like we've actually reached a point where people can't function without distraction. That is a problem. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to address on this podcast. What are the dangers of us being so addicted to our cell phones and social media? So for starters, since our last episode was all about sleep and how to have better sleeps, we should probably start with one of the most obvious dangers, and that is how cell phone addiction has been linked to a major increase in sleep disorders and fatigue. And as we mentioned on the last podcast, using your cell phone before bed greatly increases the likelihood of insomnia, or at least increases the amount of time that it will take you to fall asleep. And one that I've heard a lot about in recent years is that apparently it's affecting millennials the most, and it's called text neck. This is literally a thing guys meaning you're getting neck pain as a result from looking down at your phone for too long i also read there's also text claw it's cramped fingers or wrist pain due to continuous texting or scrolling (laughs) it's not a medical term but its symptoms are very real this is for all my clients who ask for my cell phone number nothing irritates me more than having to type long messages with my phone and call me old school but I'm sorry, if you have a question that requires more than two sentences of a reply, email me. Just getting that out there. Okay, back to scary statistics. Oh, here's a yummy one. One in six cell phones has considerable fecal matter on it. Thanks to all you sickos taking your phones to the bathroom. Yeah, and I'm sure we can all agree that the use of cell phones has big time increased the amount of car accidents. Even I admit that I used to be bad for this, but texting and driving can literally be just as dangerous as drinking and driving. No shit. Here's one interesting stat for men listening. Increased cell phone usage actually causes male infertility. And in fact, 
Preliminary studies have revealed that cell phone radiation can decrease your sperm count and sperm motility, how those little guys are moving, how fast they are. And I wonder if they specify men because they tend to carry their cell phone in their pockets versus women with them in our purses. Oh, yeah, I was wondering why a cell phone would only attack balls. Or I wonder if it's because their private parts are external and they're more exposed, right? Whereas ours are internal. Mm. So let's move on to the psychological effects of cell phone and social media addiction. And I would imagine these are even more detrimental to our health than text neck or text claw or having poop on your phone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for one, I actually read that apparently most of us now have an attention span less than that of a goldfish. Oh, I could totally believe that. And I will admit that the whole time we're discussing this stuff, I keep thinking about these two acquaintances who are both early 20s and literally on their cell phones 24-7. And I'll be having a conversation with either of them and I, you can sense like they are not even listening to me. And not only is it incredibly insulting that they're looking at their phone the entire time, but just based on their behavior and reactions, it's so obvious that they are just incapable of having a conversation or listening to anyone. And I think it's particularly bad with millennials. Although truthfully, it was the same with that Mexican sugar daddy I dated, which by the way, I wrote a whole blog post about him for anyone who wants to hear that juicy story. It's called The Unhealthy Pursuit of Perfection. And this man would literally take me to these beautiful exotic resorts and restaurants and I'd be looking out onto the ocean like literally a postcard view in Acapulco and the entire time he was on his phone or texting somebody. How romantic. Yeah and I'd get mad and he'd always be like Jorky how you think I afford all this? I'm working baby. I'm working to give you all of this. But yeah it was super annoying and he was almost 40 so clearly we can't put all the blame on millennials. Well we are talking about addiction here. Mm-hmm. And there's no age limit on addiction. Experts say that our brains get a hit of dopamine and serotonin, aka the happy drug, when your phone beeps. Mm-hmm. And these are the same chemicals that give drug users their high. Yeah, and it's even more of a high with every like or comment you receive when you post your latest selfie. But I think it's really important that we emphasize how important it is to just enjoy time being with another person and who cares about the likes that are coming in? Can't we just appreciate the moment and the time that we're spending looking at a beautiful sunset and you don't need to share it on your Insta story. And sorry, but going for a dinner with a friend or your partner and spending the entire time on your phone, you're not being fully with that person. And when you're fully experiencing being with another person, you're picking up on all kinds of signals from their eyes, their voice, their body language, the tone of their words, the context. And I think it's kind of similar to meeting a hot babe at the bar or the gym versus scrolling through Tinder profiles. It's the difference between showing our true selves, feeling that real raw chemistry 
chemistry, those special in-person moments that never happen these days because we're all too friggin' distracted staring at our phones and socially retarded to even make eye contact with anyone. I think that's the saddest part of all of this. It's having such a negative effect on our ability to connect with people, especially for young people. Like when you think back to your first crush and when a boy would phone you, you know, the nervousness and the feelings of excitement, even the awkwardness, the fear of saying something stupid. Mm -hmm. You know, there were no edits, no memes or emojis to sum things up perfectly. You were (laughs) developing communication and confidence. And that's how you learn to form relationships, not only with others, but with yourself, you know, figuring out who you are is an important journey. Young people don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. Hell, people in their 30s don't have that anymore. Yep. Hello. And, <laughs> no, I honestly think social media has ruined dating. Not Hello. only is there no courtship process, but the endless supply of suitors makes everyone really lazy. You know, instead of working through possible obstacles or flaws and actually exploring whether the relationship has potential, Nah, it's just easier to swipe right. Next. Yeah, why do you think I ended up resorting to Tinder? Because my whole life is on social media and I run an online business. So I don't even know how to talk to people in the real world anymore. And it's funny that you say we're no longer connected to anyone else because in so many ways, we are more connected than ever before. To the point that some days I won't check my Instagram or my Facebook at all because because I have clients messaging me on every platform and then they see that I've seen their message and then they'll contact me on another platform and ask why I didn't reply. And it's crazy that this is where we are in the world of digital communication. Or that woman the other day who, you know, signed up for coaching Friday night at 11 p.m. and then was mad that I didn't reply until Sunday. Like, this is crazy. And it happens to me in dating too. You send a guy a text and and he doesn't reply right away. But you see he's been on Facebook since and then you spend hours freaking out, questioning why he's not replying to your text. 10 years ago, this would have never been an issue. You call someone when you want to talk and you make plans to hang out. And it was as simple as that. And while I'm on this rant, can I just say it's also really annoying how often people misunderstand the tone of my texts or emails? Well, again, there's no body language or nuances to go along with it. It's just words, which Mm -hmm. is probably how the creation of emojis came along. Oh, there's a laughing monkey, so she must be joking. (laughs) Exactly. And when you're talking to someone in person or over the phone, people just seem to have more of a filter and watch what we say. And it's pretty easy to detect their feelings based on the way they say it, but with texting or email, I'm always shocked at how often people completely misinterpret what I say and think I'm being rude or aggressive when I'm actually just being, you know, smart ass or cute and playful. Yeah, sarcasm is not your friend via texting or email. Totally. Are we getting off topic here? I feel like that rant was maybe a little uncalled for. No, I think it's all relevant to the topic because one of the major side effects of smartphone addiction is social disconnection. Mm -hmm. While in some ways it does make us more connected, look at how many cool vegans we've intermet through this podcast. True. You know, but... Who have become friends in real life. True. But so 
social media is, it's also making us more isolated, you know, like, look at how many more people are getting diagnosed with anxiety and depression and OCD. Well, because we have less meaningful relationships with others. And more importantly, we've stopped connecting to ourselves and our own inner thoughts. And we don't appreciate those moments of solitude anymore, because we're so scared of FOMO, as Cal Newport mentioned. And we're so dependent on those highs from getting the likes and the shares and the comments. Anyway, apparently we both feel very strongly about this stuff and could talk for hours about it. However, let's try to keep this episode to an appropriate length of time. I think we should finish up with some tips on how we can all declutter our digital lives and maybe share some of the things that I've personally done over the last couple of years or even over the last couple weeks. But (laughs) first, why don't we announce the winner of last week's Patreon prize pack and let everyone know what we're giving away on this episode. Free shit! So if you listen to our podcast on sleep, episode number 50, we are giving away to one lucky Patreon podcast winner a bottle of Performance Labs Sleep Supplement, which is their nightly regeneration support for peak daytime performance, and a pair of Swanee's Blue Light Blocking Glasses, which will help you to get better sleep at night. You can pop those bad boys on a few hours before bed and sleep like a baby. All right, Sarah, what have we got? Shimmy, shimmy. The winner of... Performance Labs Sleep Formula and Swanwick's Blue Light Blocking Glasses is Jessica G. Yay, and she's in Ottawa, so I don't have to pay for shipping. Score. (laughs) She's a good one to win this because we only knew her through the podcast Mm -hmm. and being a fan of the podcast. And now she has become a friend and is even coming to my baby shower next weekend. We should probably also mention what this week's Patreon prize is. And it's an exciting one. And speaking of sarcasm, I'm being really sarcastic. I guess we thought because this episode is about minimalism, why not create a minimalist prize? So this week's Patreon prize is absolutely nothing. Well, not quite, but it's more of a surprise bag of random miscellaneous crap from Jacked on the Beanstalk that we have chosen to minimize and gift to one lucky winner. So what did you bring, Sarah? I actually discovered that I have two copies of a shorty favorite, The Princess Bride, on DVD. So I... A classic (laughs) movie if you still have a DVD player. (laughs) I believe it's also the collector's edition, so maybe you just want to have it in your collection. (laughs) So I thought it would be good for me to minimize... Yeah, you don't need two copies of The Princess Bride. Exactly. And I'm giving away a brand new set of pulp board coasters Mm. with birds on them that I won at an animal rescue fundraiser and a basil plant in an eco cube (laughs) that you can plant and grow your own basil. And I guess I'll throw in some uh, JOTB granola and stickers and magnets just for shits and giggles. And I'll throw in some of my random random magnets found on my fridge. (laughs) (laughs) As long as they're not covered in fecal matter. (laughs) 
Why would my magnets have fecal matter on I don't know. You have kids. All right. Well, let's start to wrap this episode up. If you want our old crap, be sure to uh, hit up patreon.com slash jacked on the beanstalk and (laughs) sign up. And lastly, as mentioned, let's go through a few tips on how we can all disconnect a little bit more and stop letting our phones control our entire lives. And I think we should also read some of that Andrew Sullivan piece. There's so much worth Mm. mentioning in that. Yeah, so in our research for the statistics that we've included, we came across this lengthy blog post called I Used to Be a Human Being, and we thought about sharing it. It's just that it's super long. Yeah, it was also kind of beautiful. Yeah. Everyone should read it. Yeah, totally. Sadly, the irony is that most people don't have the time and or attention span to actually (laughs) read it. But I took the liberty of pulling out the best parts, so now I'm going to force you all to listen to me read it. Okay, good call. And we will include a link in the show notes for everyone if you do want to read the full piece. But yeah, this is good you did this. Take it away, Sarah. So I should mention that this all stemmed from Andrew Sullivan feeling like he was getting a little bit disconnected from the world. So he actually went on some sort of retreat where there was no talking, lots of meditation. So there's a lot of interesting stuff in there about that. But anyway, this is what I've pulled out. Not long ago, surfing the web, however addictive, was a stationary activity. At your desk at work or at home on your laptop, you disappeared down a rabbit hole of links and resurfaced minutes or hours later to re-encounter the world. But the smartphone then went and made the rabbit hole portable, inviting us to get lost in it anywhere, at any time, whatever else we might be doing. Just look around you at the people crouched over their phones as they walk the streets or drive their cars or walk their dogs or play with their children. Observe yourself in line for coffee or in a quick work break or even just going to the bathroom. We have gone from looking up and around to constantly looking down. If an alien visited, wouldn't this be its immediate observation? You are where your attention is. If you're watching a football game with your son while also texting a friend, you're not fully with your child, and he knows it. Think of how rarely you now use the phone to speak to someone. A text is far easier, quicker, less burdensome. A phone call could take longer. It could force you to encounter that person's idiosyncrasies or digressions or unexpected emotional needs. Or take the difference between trying to seduce someone at a bar and flipping through Tinder profiles to find a better match. One is deeply inefficient and requires spending, possibly wasting, considerable time. The other turns dozens and dozens of humans into clothes on an endlessly extending rack. An entire universe of intimate responses is flattened to a single, distant swipe. We hide our vulnerabilities, airbrushing our flaws and quirks. We project our fantasies onto the images before us. Rejection still stings, but less when a new virtual match beckons on the horizon. It is mass distraction. This changes us. It slowly removes the very spaces where we can gain a footing in our minds and souls. There are books to be read, landscapes to be walked, friends to be with, life to be fully lived. This new epidemic of distraction is our civilization's specific weakness, and its threat is not so much to our minds, the threat is to our souls. At this rate, if the noise does not relent, 
we might even forget we have any. That was good. Just want to throw out a couple more scary statistics. According to Statista.com, teenagers who spend five hours a day on electronic devices, and remember, I already said most people with a smartphone are spending five hours a day on it. Well, they are saying teenagers who spend that amount of time are 71% more likely to have suicide risk factors than those who only use it for an hour. That's terrifying if you are a parent listening. And here's another one. Eighth graders who are heavy social media users have a 27% higher risk of depression. Yeah, see, that's horribly sad and scary because all of that social media, all of the likes and the comments, I mean, they're all ways of being judged, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the worst thing at that age. If they're this screwed up at 13, What are they going to be like at 23? Depressed and socially awkward walking around with text neck, apparently. (laughs) And text claw. Yeah. All right. So on that note, there's got to be some positives here. Let's give them five proven tactics on how we can all use our phones less. So we did already touch on this one, number one, but it's a big one. So definitely worth mentioning again. Keep your damn phone away and out of sight in all social situations. That means dates, meetings, hangouts with friends, visits with family. It's fucking rude, guys. And as Sarah mentioned earlier, you wouldn't whip out a book in the middle of a business meeting and start reading a chapter. So why would you whip out your phone and start answering emails? Number two, turn off your social media notifications. And I'm actually proud to say that I did this one a long time ago, thanks to the Minimalists podcast giving me the idea And I can honestly say it's probably been about a year now since I do not have my social media notifications on and not once have I regretted it. If I want to check my Facebook or my Instagram, it's very easy to open up the app. And if someone really needs to get a hold of me, they can call. Number three, keep your phone out of sight when you're alone. Now, I admit this is one I personally struggle with, mostly because when I'm in the zone writing client plans, I actually kind of need my phone to use use my fitness pal when I'm calculating people's macros. But when say Sarah and I are planning or recording a podcast lately, I really have been trying to keep my phone away and in my purse or my bag. Really? I hadn't noticed. Yeah, I've done it a couple times. (laughs) Okay, number four, do a full on deletion of apps. I gotta say for me, deleting Tinder was an easy one. It was just such a dirty, icky feeling and time suck. Oh my god, what a time suck while I was on there. I know a lot of people even delete Twitter and Facebook from their phones and only access them when they're on their computer. I have not gone to that length personally, probably because I do use at least Instagram and Facebook for work purposes, and I don't always have my laptop with me, but I think if I didn't run an online business, yeah, I would totally get the apps off my phone. And finally, tactic number five for you using your phone less, turn it off at night. And again, this is another tough one for me because I do use my phone as as an alarm clock and I know I'm bad for scrolling before bed because it does help me relax and fall asleep despite 
like the blue lights. But as we learned on the last podcast, all about getting better sleep, when you're staring at your phone or your TV before bed, it's not a good habit to have. And do listen to the sleep episode, which I will link up in the show notes for this week. But yeah, those blue light emissions that are coming from these devices, they block your melatonin production, which is the hormone that helps stimulate sleep. And if you're like me and you can fall asleep very easily with the TV on no matter what time it is. I don't know if this tactic would be useful for you, but you know what? Maybe it's a good idea to keep your phone out of sight for the majority of the day and then treat yourself to it in the evening once you are in chill out me time mode. But I should also mention a completely different reason that we have not touched on this episode, why we should turn our phones off at night. And that is because of all the radiation and Wi-Fi signals that emit from it. So basically like your phone emits electromagnetic frequencies and this could be a health problem, meaning there's an increased risk for brain tumors, especially on the side of your head that you always hold your phone on. Although I guess if we're not calling anyone anymore, yeah. then <laughs> it's all going through your hand. Radioactive hands we're creating, guys. Cool. The impacts on fertility right? As we mentioned, especially in men. And actually, scary fact, the World Health Organization issued a warning back in 2011 that all of these smartphone devices are potentially carcinogenic, even though there is no research demonstrating such an association because these devices are still pretty new, right? Nevertheless, if there is truth to what these experts are saying, you should probably reduce your exposure and a good way to do that would be simply by getting your phone off your nightstand and out of your bedroom because you're just sleeping. You're not even using it. So why have it there? I think it's time we finish up with this week's Apple podcast review of the week and of course our big finale song. So let's first hear the review, Sarah. Listener feedback. This week's review is five stars and comes from Smokin, unless it's Smokin. Yes, they have a cool spelling of it. S-M-O-Q-U-I-N, like Joaquin Phoenix, but (laughs) Smokin or Smokin. Either way, it's titled Love This Podcast. And since I can't stop thinking about Princess Bride, I've decided to read this in the voice of Inigo Montoya. Ooh, good one. Now, if anyone knows this classic film, Iniga Montoya is the guy that says, Hello, my name is Iniga Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Take it away, smoking. Love these girls. They hit on all the important topics and say exactly what you are thinking. As a newly transitioning <laughs> vegan, this podcast has been so helpful and entertaining. Now, prepare (laughs) to die. (laughs) I love knowing that we are helping new vegans along their journey. Shocking that the podcast does that, but (laughs) awesome to know. And sorry, smoking, that this week's episode has nothing to do with veganism whatsoever. Not to worry, neither does the song I chose. (laughs) In fact, it doesn't really have anything to do with digital minimalism either. Great. Nevertheless, we're singing Back to Life by Soul to Soul. Not a bad choice. I was inspired by Andrew Sullivan. Yeah, no, I can get down with this. It'll be a fun one to sing anyway. Back to life. 
Back to reality, back to the here and now, Show me how, decide what you want from me. Tell me maybe I could be there for you. However do you want me? However do you need me? How? However do you want me? However do you need me? However do you want me? However do you need me? However do you want me? However do you need me? I feel like we could do that all day. (laughs) Sorry, guys. I'm sure you wish we wouldn't. Right. Uh, All right. Well, that's it for this week. I hope we maybe got some thoughts sparked and some claws unhinged from your phones. Whatever you do, don't stop listening to the podcast if you have to use your smartphone. Yeah. That's the only time you should technically be breaking out your phone Mm -hmm. with your text claw. All right. I hope everybody has a great week and we will be back real soon. Shorky sisters.